Welcome to the City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. Thank you so much, worship team, band. You guys kill it every single Sunday. We are so honored that you serve here. Can we give it up for the worship team? Honor them. Come on, we praise God for their lives. Uh, folks, to be honest, uh, Father's Day usually would ask for a Father's Day sermon. Uh, you know, so, but we were in this series called Walk Worthy, and I was really like, you know what? We're just going to stay on what we're talking about. So uh, I, I really couldn't break up what we were talking about. So, uh, so happy Father's Day to the dads. We love y'all. Come on, let's just honor the dads one more time so that they don't think we're ignoring it. And dads, you know what? We love you so much that we have a free gift for you right after this service, right out in the lobby, next to the TV. Just kind of grab a gift. And this is for the dads that are present. Uh, I know, like, we want to take one for our godfather and our grandfather and our uncle and the guy we grew up with. Like, we got to just do it for the dads that are here, all right? So we're, gonna, we're just going to handle that. I know how ethnic churches run, man. It's, if it's free, we're grabbing it for everybody. Godfather back in the islands is getting one. We'll, we'll ship it out to them with the next person that is heading to Cape Verde on Tuesday. I know how it is. I've been, enough, I've been in these circles long enough. We don't mail anything to Cape Verde. We just find out who's going. We don't care what island they're going to. We don't care if it's like in the opposite end of Cape Verde. If you're going to Cape Verde, you'll get it to them. I don't, I don't get it. Give this to John. Which John? You know, John. John, John. Uh, just... Just get it there. And it always arrives. It always arrives. I, don't, I never know how things get there, but they do. And we give God praise. All right. We, so we're talking walk worthy, which is, uh, folks, I can't get over Ephesians 4. Like, I, I'm preaching on Ephesians 4, like, all the time now. City Boston, I preached on Ephesians 4. Different series. Same passage. I'm like, how are we getting so much out of this one thing? And I want to really, really urge you, exhort you, encourage you, motivate you, push you to read Ephesians 4 every day, every day, all week, uh, at one time, you know what I mean? Just, just read through because there is so much, so much richness to Christian living in, in that chapter. And so last week, uh, the, 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 the theme, the, the main gist of our sermon was about not giving space, not giving room for, for the enemy, not giving the enemy an opportunity in our life. And, and that happens in private, in priorities, and through people. And we talked about how the best way to fend off the enemy is not trying to fight him in our own strength, but really being so filled with the Holy Spirit that the enemy would have no opportunity. Like, I know, like, that's why I'm not into self-help, because I can't help myself. I need God's help. Can I get an Amen. I can't help myself. The enemy's tactics are way smarter than I am. But I know that if I am covered by the power of the Holy Spirit, the enemy will have no opportunity because you can't occupy a seat that is already occupied. You can only that which is vacant can be occupied. And so we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I speak this over our church. I don't want us to be a vacant church. What I mean by that is I'm not talking about seats. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Spirit because you can have a church that is filled, every seat in the house filled, but the Holy Spirit is still not there. What I ask for and what I am demanding of God based upon his promises is that we would be a church so filled with the Holy Spirit of God that signs and wonders would follow the demonstration of his power at 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Can you believe us? say amen? I want the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, 
not good music, not great preaching, not great coffee. We need the power and the presence of God. We don't need funny preaching. We don't need good, like, oh, this will help you tomorrow preaching. We need filled up with the Holy Spirit preaching. Because the Holy Spirit is who saves and sanctifies and sets free and transforms and changes and, and covers. And so we don't need me. We don't need this band, even though I love them. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. We don't need the moo truck, even though I'm going to get some free ice cream myself. We need the Holy Spirit. That's it. We need the power of God. So jumping into what God wants for us today, under the umbrella of talking about people last week, I want to talk to you on the sub point of unity. Unity. Unity is a, a, big, a big deal, all right? So why don't we jump into Ephesians 4 this morning? Uh, you, you should already know we're going to be there. Ephesians chapter 4, you should have this bookmarked, highlighted, underlined, photocopied. It should be on your fridge. Come on, we're, we got to get Ephesians 4 on our hearts. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I'm reading the ESV. It says this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But grace, verse 7, has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. The word of the Lord, amen? I want to read this in the message version. Just lean in and listen. It says, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here as a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God has called you to travel. I don't want you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourself out for each other in acts of love, alert at noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You were called to travel on the same road and in the same direction. So stay together, both inwardly and outwardly. You have one master, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father who rules over all, works through all, and is present in all. Everything you are and think and do is oneness. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. I love you, God, and I pray that you would minister now through your word. Transform us deeply, God. Motivate us, O oh Lord, to be different. And I pray that you would make us one as you and the Father are one. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, anything that's repeated should be paid attention to. Are you with me? Say amen. Anything that's repeated, right? That's one of the keys to biblical, by the way, biblical interpretation. When you're reading scripture, anything that gets repeated a bunch of times should probably be studied further. 
uh, that, that, that's just, it's just a principle. It's something that I learned in marriage too. If something is repeated, you should pay attention. At our house, my wife bought a boot tray. And you, y'all know what a boot tray is. Anybody know what a boot? It's a tray for boots. It's a tray for shoes that goes at the door. So my wife is a stickler for having our floors clean. Uh, we, have, we have wood floors, and so the, the floors get pretty dirty pretty fast if left unattended. And so to, to help in the endeavor of maintaining the cleanliness of the floor at the Lima household, uh, hearth in hand, done by our friends Chip and Joanna Gaines, released a boot tray, a galvanized metal boot tray that was the apple of my wife's eye for a little while. Now she makes frequent visits to Target, many times not even to shop, just to browse. She calls it her therapist. And so she, she, she goes to Target and she was kind of looking at this boot tray for a while, wanted to buy the boot tray. And, and, and one day we were at City Boston, we came up with like eight people with us in the van and, and we left with none. Everybody always finds a ride back home. So, uh, so we were by ourselves in this big old van and we're like, all right, we're up in Boston. There's a, she, she had already checked the stock at the Medford location Target to see if the galvanized metal hearth in hand, Chip and Joanna Gaines, apple of my eye boot tray was there. And it inde- indeed was. It was now, we get out of city Boston at what? Like 11-ish, 11.30 at night. Um, I, I, I encourage you to come out. If you've never been, you should totally give a visit to city Boston. Shout out to city Boston. Come and visit us. But, uh, but we, we, we decided we're going to roll in the van to Medford Target. Now, you don't just go into Target and get the galvanized metal apple of my eye boot tray. You have to look at everything else that they're offering because Target clearances are the best clearances. We got some ladies that agree. But we get in, we're searching for the boot tray like a needle in a haystack. And then we find a whole bunch of them. And, 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 and her eyes just lit up. Her eyes lit up like a kid on Christmas morning. And so we buy the, we buy the boot tray, put it in the van, come home, set it up, put it, position it. But here's the thing. She's like, okay, now when we come in to the house, you got to put your shoes in the boot tray. I don't want to see shoes anywhere else. We got to put shoes in the boot tray. Now, Shane is a stubborn guy. Shane's the guy also that takes a little while to, to heed clear instructions. So one day, wasn't even thinking we were tired. I think it was even a Sunday, right? Tiring sun. Was it a Sunday? For the purpose of my story, let's say it's a Sunday, right? We come into the house. The time has come for us to take off, and I take off my boots, and I put it next to the boot tray. Not in the boot tray, beside the boot tray. And she had just mopped the floor. Now, when, my, when Alini mops the floor, it's not like cute mop. It's like wet rags, every, like hands it. She likes to just, she, she's a Brazilian. Come on, Brazilians love to clean. Have you ever noticed any Brazilians in the house? Y'all love clean, like you can eat off the floor. That's the way she likes it. And so she was looking forward to having this floor gleaming for a little while. I come in and I take off my boots and I put them next to the boot tray. Didn't think about it. Wasn't purposeful rebellion. It was just, didn't think about it. I was like, I don't want to dirty the boot tray. Don't want to dirty the boot tray. Brand new boot tray. Why would I dirty it? So, so to which I hear out of my left ear, 
sweetheart. And I knew that's not a good sweetheart. Because you know the difference between like sweetheart and sweetheart? There's a difference. Sweetheart. Oh, my. She didn't, I, I was in a, I was, I was, I was testy. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll, can I just be honest with you? I'm not, I'm not a perfect man. Okay, the rest of y'all are, but I, I, I decided I'm going to take every bit of clothes that I have anywhere and put it all away. I just took it to the next level. I'm zero or a hundred folks. So I'm like, all right, boots are gone. Jacket's gone. Shirt's gone. We're putting everything away now. Since I didn't do one thing right, we're going to do everything right. Exaggeration is where I live, right? So, so. So we, we, we did it all, put it all away, clean the closets. Let's get rid of all this stuff. We're going to do it. If we're not going to do it, we're, we're going to do it right. All right. So, so, but, but she, she's, she had told me, like, I, I knew like, all right, no big deal. May not be a big deal to me, but it's a big deal to her. And you know why it was a big deal to her and not to me? Because I didn't clean the floor. So you can only, bad, exactly, very bad boy. You can only. Let me, give you a, let me give you a word in parentheses here before we move on to anything. Because worship ended a little bit early, which means I can go on a little bit longer. Um, you can only speak to what you have invested in. You can only speak to what... If you didn't, if you didn't mop the floor, you can't say that putting the boots in the boot tray is not important. Because you didn't invest the time to make sure that the floor was clean. Can I bring it to church life just for a moment? Let me back up before y'all get mad at me. Let me stand behind the cross. <laughs> um, it's very easy to point out what's wrong when you haven't put in the time to get anything done. You can't imagine the amount of hours that go into one thing. City night, 90s night, which was like the best night ever, doesn't happen by accident requires meetings and time and cutting out triangles forever. Cutting out faces of Bill Clinton and Mariah Carey. Like, that requires work. And so it's easy for somebody to come into 90s. Imagine now, you've put in the meetings, you've, done the, you've cut the triangles, and somebody comes in and says, this is it? This is what? You better bet this is it. You know how it hurts when you've invested time and yet it's not appreciated? Yes, Watch your words before you speak to something that you haven't invested in. Yes. They're singing that song again? He's preaching from Ephesians 4 again? He must not be reading his word. Have you invested the time that I've put in to prepare for this morning? Y'all came. I love you. But the enemy wants to sometimes use our words to speak into something that we have no investment in. All of a sudden it starts bringing all this tension and you're wondering where it's come from. It's because we inserted our words in a situation that we had no business getting into. Once you invest, then your opinion is valid. Folks, you can read my notes. This wasn't even in my notes. That's how you know it's of God. You can, you, I'll, I'll email it to you. It's not even in here. That's where the Holy Spirit is, right? So the Holy Spirit's in the in-between. 
bombs being dropped all the time right now. Can we talk about unity though? Because we got to get on this topic. Unity is a big deal. In six verses at the top of Ephesians 4, six verses, Paul talks about unity or oneness eight times. That's more than once a verse. Like eight times in six verses, he's saying one Lord, one faith, one baptism, be united, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. He's saying like oneness is a big deal. And if you read through all of Paul's letters, he's talking about being one all the time, which what does that say to us here this morning? It means that unity is sometimes an issue among the people of God being one. Here's the thing. Uniformity is not the goal. Unity is the goal. We're different. You're different. I'm different. I look different. We talk different. We like different things. Like some of us are like itching to get home to watch the game this afternoon. Some of us have no idea what game is even on. Like that's just the way, that's just the way life is. We don't have to like the same things or do the same things or even enjoy the same meals. Like I like friendlies. Some of my closest friends hate friendlies. It's all right. I like Applebee's. Now we'll say it from the mic. You Applebee's haters. Like, but we don't have to be uniform to be united. We can celebrate our differences and still have the same goal and the same purpose. Can I just be frank? Like the Christian church gets caught up in debates that are like silly. Like let's keep the main thing the main thing and let the rest be the rest. There are non-negotiables. Jesus is Lord is a non-negotiable. He died and rose from the grave is a non-negotiable. The Holy Spirit is alive and well is a non-negotiable. The rest is kind of like, why are we wasting time? While the world is all divided, we're self-defeating because we're arguing against ourselves about stuff that has no weight on salvation. So we gotta, we gotta, we, we got to keep the main thing, the main thing. He's talking about oneness and unity. And, and man, the enemy loves division. He loves contention. He loves gossip. He loves this. He loves that. He loves to just kind of get a word in. He likes to kind of just divide the church and, and put everybody in separate corners. He likes for all of us to kind of be infighting because as long as we are fighting against ourselves, we're not fighting against his kingdom. If we're fighting against each other, if we're debating each other, then it means that we're losing strength and losing stamina for the fight that really matters. You know, the Bible says that our, 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 our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness. And so you are not my enemy. The devil is my enemy. You are not the one I need to correct. The enemy is the one who needs to be stopped because the enemy is the one who brings in a seed of division and all of a sudden I'm fighting against you and we're ignoring the real enemy, which is Satan. Tell your neighbor, you're not my enemy. And if you had a fight with your spouse before church, let him know again, you're not my enemy. You're not. Like, it's not about me versus you. It's about us versus the enemy. It's not about our church versus that church. And while we disagree on the gifts of the spirit, listen, I disagree with the enemy about sin. So we can have our own stance on the gifts of the spirit, but still worship together. We can have a difference of opinion on the prophetic, but still worship together. 
We can have a different opinion of, of opinion on, on non-negotiables, but still fellowship together. And so church, let us not allow even one bit of division to get in the way. For when we are divided, we fall, but united, we stand. Can you say amen? amen. So the enemy wants to just kind of bring a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of tension, a little bit of unspoken, a little bit of whatever. And as, as soon as all that little bit is in, it becomes a lot of bit of trouble. It becomes a lot of bit of contention. It becomes a lot of bit of ineffectiveness because we have to now sort through our differences in order to start doing the work of God. Let me tell you something. The church needs to be so united, so united more than ever before that the world would know that our faith is legitimate. Because how can the world trust in a church who is self-defeating? Why would the church, why would the world come to a church or be part of a church that is fighting against us if we can't even get our own act together? Why would they want to be a part of it? Are, are, you, are you with me on that? The enemy does silly stuff, petty stuff. And we need to be spiritually discerning and spiritually mature to not only identify, but stop division. You have the power in, in, in your own words and in your own actions to thwart, stop, put a pause on, a cancellation of division. So, so the enemy does these things and, 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 and we know it, but sometimes we just play into his tactics. But I wanted to kind of just give you a few things. Threats to unity. Threats to unity. Number one is selfish destruction. When it's all about you, it's impossible for you to be part of the whole. Selfish destruction. What that basically is, is it's a me-centered version of, of a walk and a journey with God where it's about your preferences and your desires and your this and your that and your feelings and your whatevers. Let me tell you something. When it's all about each and every one of us, no one ends up winning. People that know me know that I hate the word you got, the phrase you guys. You, what are you guys doing? No, it's, it's what are we. Oh, but I'm not part of it. No, you are now. You inserted yourself into the conversation. Not you guys. Don't ostracize me. It's we. It's we. Tell two people it's we. We. It, it, it's, it's always been we. It, it's it's going to be we. There, there's, no, there's no me. It's we. It's we. It, it's, it's, it's always going to be we. Not me. We. Not you. Us. Not they. Our. It like, we're, we're, it's, 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 it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, uh, because when we, uh, Scripture says it. So y'all don't, don't believe Shane Leo, believe, believe the Bible. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. What that means is you off on your own. I can serve Jesus by myself. I don't need to go to church no more. I can, I can worship in my room, in the Holy of Holies, in the tabernacle, in my bedroom. Yeah, but there is so much more power when you come into church, get yourself up, wash off your face, drink some coffee, come in here and worship. There's power in we. There's no power in me. There's power in we. This thing's acting up. Can you, can you go back there for a moment? Devil's a liar. Praise God for my wife who's always, who knows exactly what I meant by saying, can you go back there? Selfish destruction. Selfish destruction. If there, there's two types of cultures, individualistic or collectivist. What that means is America's individualistic society. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get yourself together. If you got issues, that's your problem, not my problem. The majority of us in this room, I could probably say, come from collectivist cultures. Cave is a collectivist culture where one is for the whole. Like we're, 
Like, if you're making money in the States, you better bet you're sending some of it back home. You can't be rich all out in the States by yourself. You got you to gotta send something back, right? That's just the way it is. In America, you're rich, you're rich. Collect it, save it, invest it, 401k it. K-Verd's like 401, what? Like that, you better send that stuff. Collectivist. Let me tell you something. The church is not an individualistic culture. Individualistic is like, well, I'm just going to go to the church that suits my needs and my desires. And so when things start changing and we don't like it no more, then we're out. Can I give you an encouragement? Trust, unless there's like blatant false teaching, like we're preaching like heresy. Trust the vision. Trust the vision. Because we're not kind of just like shooting in all directions saying, let's see what works. No, it's intentional. There, there's, there's a vision backing this church. There's a, there's a uh backing this church. You know what I mean by uh? Like, it's not like, let's just kind of, let's see what happens. No, like, we're praying for this thing. We're seeking for this thing. We're planning for this thing. We're, we're building a foundation for this thing. I'm believing that there will be a, like a day where there's going to be like this harvest that all of y'all are going to be shocked. But there was this foundation being built all along. And so it's not about you, really. It's about the people that aren't here yet. Yeah. See that empty chair that's next to you? It's about that person. That, that's why we're doing this thing is for that person that's not even in here yet. Yeah. So really, we're not thinking about who's here. We're thinking about who's not here. This church isn't for who's here. This church is for who's not here. We don't exist for you. We exist for them. And when we start kind of buying into that vision that it's not about us, but it's about lost people, a culture of a church will be radically changed from being internally focused to externally focused. It's not about individualism. It's about collectivism. It's not about me. It's about we. Can you say amen? amen. So selfish destruction. Slide number two says this, situational destruction. Situational destruction is different where there's unresolved conflict brings disunity, unresolved. Meaning, me and you have beef? I'm gonna ask my friend if you're at church yet so that I can go in after you've already sat so that I, I find out if you went to cafe so I don't go to cafe because cafe is too small for all both of us to be there. They're coming in the front door, you're coming in through the garage. Nobody even goes through that door. You're sitting next to the windows. They're sitting with Tyler over here. Like, you'll find if they're in the downstairs bathroom, you're all the way in the kids' room upstairs, blue room. Blue room. You didn't even know there was a bathroom over there, but you'll find it. Ever noticed how that is? You click to see if they're confirmed for city night. They're going to city night. You're not going to city night. Unresolved conflict. You know what men do? Face it. We got issues? Let's sit. We, we got a problem? Hey, have you noticed how people that are led by the Spirit will, that's my qualifier, when you confront, all of a sudden, 
what seemed like a big deal when we were in opposite corners, tensions go down when it's confronted. When it's in the spirit. When it's in the flesh, you roll up on people like you're about to fight. What'd you say about me? And that's not, that. you're giving the enemy space. When it's led by the spirit, it's not confrontational. It's, it's, it's for a resolution. So church, can I just be loving with you? We can't let that stupid stuff find its way in here. We got to be so intentional at resolving conflict that we won't let it go one night. Here, here's what the Bible says. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Meaning until we resolve, I can't sleep. No, we're going to let it roam. We're going to let it roam and, and, and we're going to see where it, where it goes. And here, here's the thing. It's possible to release forgiveness without forgiveness being asked for. When you have grace, the grace of God over your life, you don't need to ask for my, you don't need to ask for my forgiveness in order for me to already be willing to forgive you. So let us be led by the spirit in our interpersonal relationships, because I would never accept there to be like division that is rooted in situations that are unresolved. And here's what Paul says. Like, if you got beef, we can't even worship till that's resolved. Like we can't worship God when our relationship with people is all out of whack and a hot mess. We got to make sure that our, because we can't love God properly and not love people. So we can't, oh God, I love you. I worship you, but I hate my neighbor. That's the Pharisees. The Pharisees did that. Like, oh, I praise you that I'm not like these fakers. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Meanwhile, they were the ones that Jesus called whitewashed tombs, clean on the outside, dead on the inside. So Jesus wants our church to be unified. And for us to be unified, truly, that will require us seeing, resolving, and praying through all conflict. Can you say amen? amen? And maybe you're like, what does this have to do with me? I really don't know. Believe me, hold on to this word for later on, because it'll happen. Because wherever there are people, there are issues. Can I get a yes? That's just, that's just number three, sinful destruction. Where there's underlying sin, there can't be unity. Should I move on to the next point? God can't cohabitate with justified sin. What that means is, well, let's just kind of let it. I, God accepts us as we are, but refuses to leave us as we are because he loves us too much. So I believe all of us have issues. All of us have sin. We're all sinners. But there is this process that when we accept Christ, he then comes into our hearts because the same grace that saves us is now the same grace that trains us to live righteously. And so church, we must not shy away from talking about sin with clear terms because sin is sin is sin. You can't just sugarcoat it, dance around like you can't you can't twist it any other way. And here's the thing, in a politically correct world where we're always trying to, well, I don't want to offend and I don't want to this and I don't want to that. And here's, we end up compromising on what we believe. What, what delineates the church is this thing where we were all sinners, but we, by the blood of Christ, we have been saved and set free so that then we can go back and give the gospel to people that are still lost. It's all about that. So we have to be clear about what we believe in terms of sin. And we have, to, we have to clearly identify that, that God will bless a church that preaches not sin, but forgiveness from sin. 
Because I don't want to give the enemy more credit than he deserves and focus so much on sin that we lose grace. But I also don't want to focus so much on grace that we lose sight of sin. So you got to strike this balance that yes, we are sinners, but God's grace has forgiven us. Amen? There's just this thing, but sin divides. Sin never unites. Lies divide. Addiction divides. Selfishness divides. Pride divides. Envy divides. Having other idols before God divides. Notice, sin never unites. Sin always divides. Sin always brings, the wages of sin will always be death. There's never a good result to a sinful life. But God is able to not only save, but restore that which is broken. I believe in a God that is able to bring dead things back to life. And I believe that our church is called to be a life-giving church, not a legalistic church that just loves, well, you're doing this wrong and that wrong. You better not ever do that again. And you better not go there and you better not talk that way. And you better not dress that way. But a church that will so offer the free gift of salvation that people's lives will be radically changed, not by the law, but by grace. That's who I want to be. Not a person that points out the speck in other people's eyes while ignoring the plank in my own, but a man who realizes that we all got planks that all need to be resolved by the grace and the love of Jesus. So if that's the threat to unity, then what is the builder of unity? And number one builder of unity is prayer. A church that prays together is a church that unites. A church that prays for each other is a church that remains united. And Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 31 is the qualifier for that, that we will never be a united church unless we are a praying church. We have to be a church that believes in the power of prayer. Events will not do what prayer can do. Cafe will not do what prayer can do. Great worship songs on Sunday morning will not do what pray, prayer can do. Because if we are, will be a church that prays, and I'm not saying, Lord, bless this food to my body. I'm talking about fervent prayer. Prayer that goes against the powers of darkness, hell, death, and the grave. Prayer that will not stay silent when there is a battle being waged. Prayer that will rise up on behalf of others that are too weak to fight for themselves. Prayer that will demand the blessings of God based upon the promises of God. Prayer that believes that prayer is powerful and effective. Prayer that will lay hands on a sick person and expect that illness to be healed in Jesus' name. Prayer that will speak to the devil himself and cast out demons and that person will be freed in Jesus name. We will never go anywhere as a church until we learn how to pray. We have to pray. Why are we expecting the move of God without us talking to God? We're expecting revival, but we haven't sought God. We have to pray. And, and man, we got to get our prayer life in check Monday through Saturday. It's not a, well, I'll pray in that break between worship and the word. No, we got to pray on our knees. We got to pray driving. We got to pray at our job. We got to pray without ceasing. Church, if our church will move into the next phase, it won't be because of anything else but other than the power of prayer. Pray about it. Pray about it. Talk to God about it. Give God everything that you got. Don't pray when you feel like it. Pray because you got to. Because if we wait to feel like it, we'll never do it. Pray yourself through your feelings and seek the face of God. But I'm not feeling him. Get in your room on your face and close the door until the Holy Spirit shows up. Pray without ceasing. 
Pray at all times for all things. Seek the heart and the face of God. For when we pray, then we will see the mighty move of God. The Bible says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will open the heavens and heal their land. Church, if we are going to see the move of God, it will be because the people of God have decided to pray. Number two, builder of unity is fellowship. We love fellowship because usually fellowship means we're eating. But fellowship means more than eating. Acts 2.42 says that they were there for each other's needs. Meaning your brokenness is my brokenness. Your victory is my victory. My tears become your tears. We've boiled down fellowship to saying, let's go to Panera together. It's more than that. It's us being there for each other, us having shoulders to cry on, us knowing that maybe it's not my battle, but your battle has become my battle. Fellowship is what will build the church. We will never have a unified church with everybody in their own corner, satisfying their own preferences. You gotta, we gotta do life together. We can't do life alone. So we, we have to foster a culture of fellowship because ha- fellowship doesn't happen accidentally. Oh, let's, let's just all, no, fellowship is really intentionality. I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you. Jesus was always like out on a boat fishing with his boys, on the beach, roasting fish for them, walking on water randomly just to hang out with them. Notice how much Jesus hung out. He hung out with his boys a lot. Granted, he was training them to like propagate the gospel to the four corners of the earth, but I really think that Jesus valued just spending time with his 12 guys. Even Judas, who he knew would betray him and get him crucified. Even Peter, who would deny him three times. Even Matthew, the former crook. Like, he didn't look at their sin or future sin. He looked at the mission and he spent time with them. Church, I want to spend time with you. I I tell people this often. I lead from a place of friendship. I don't want to be a pastor who walks in at the end of worship, preaches a sermon, you don't see me ever again until next Sunday. Because I think that that's really weird. And I don't have anybody in mind that I'm, I'm, I've, I've seen it done. Where it's like, he's arrived. The pastor has left the building. And it's like, wait, how can you pastor people that you don't even know? Right? And it's like very odd to me. I, I, I want to just say like, Alini and I are here for you. My parents are here for you. Carlos and Katie are here for you in a very real, tangible way. Don't undervalue that friendship because it's intentional on our end. We want to be a presence in your life. We want to be there when you are going through something. We want that text when something went wrong, like because we want to be present in your life. We want to celebrate the job. We want to celebrate the marriage. We want to celebrate because your victory is my victory automatically. Your tears are my tears. When you grieve, I grieve. When you're mourning, I mourn. When you're laughing, it's hilarious to me. Like we just need to be there for one another. Fellowship is so important. But number three is this, is that a builder of unity is service. Service, servanthood 
is what builds a church that will be united. Not a consumeristic church, but a serving church. Not a church where I come to get, but a church where I come to give. And I'm not talking about your money because you can serve and never put a dime in there. But I'm telling you, when we will come and we will give of ourselves, what God desires more than your money is your time and your effort and your servanthood. Here's what I love. Church, ambassadors of the city, the city of Boston, will not be a church that just values the tither, but we will value the person that is willing to serve. Servanthood is who we will be. That is what will characterize us.